You're listening to the Joy Junkies Show podcast, episode 049. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 49. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hey, everybody. Amy here. Welcome to the Joy Junkie Show podcast. I am thrilled to have another guest host with me today. And if you are, if you're new to the show, typically what we will do is we will vacillate between life topics and love topics. So we're actually on a love topic week, a relationship topic, and it's going to have a bit of a spin. So we're going to talk about how to create a badass relationship to yourself because that is something that we kind of glaze over a lot and we think uh, if only I have the perfect spouse if only I can get back into dating if only I can you know have this perfect relationship then I will be happy and a lot of it actually stems from your own relationship to who you are so we're gonna dig into that uh, and also if you've hung out with hung out with me for any number of uh, episodes you'll know that I'm typically accompanied by my gorgeous soulmate. Mr. Smith, who's actually been on hiatus for a while, and I'm super excited to announce that he will be coming back as my guest host, uh, sidekick, guestie, whatever you want to call it, in May. So stay tuned. His sexy voice will be back on the air with me. In the meantime, though, I've really hoarded this collection of badass colleagues in the industry to help uh, give all of you the most incredible information that we can we can give you about really having the most badass life and love. So today I'm actually joined by Nicole Antoinette. How badass is that name? Welcome, <laughs> Nicole. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So she she's actually one who I just met officially like five minutes ago. So uh, it, I've had a I had a, a collection of people who are super super close to me, and then I've reached out to a handful of colleagues who have a very similar message and approach. And she runs a lovely little corner of the of the web called A Life Less Bullshit. So of course I was like, uh, why don't I know you? You need to be on the pod. Um, so before we jump in, let me tell everybody a little bit about you. So Nicole wants to live in a world with less bullshit. She helps people change their stories, the ones they tell about themselves to themselves so they feel safe about changing their habits and ultimately their lives. She is the founder of A Lifeless Bullshit, an online powerhouse that provides simple, actionable, and powerful strategies for ditching what you think you should want in favor of what you actually do want so that you can turn around and make your biggest dreams and obsessions a reality. So you can hit her up. The URL for A Lifeless Bullshit is actually life less bullshit. There's no A in the front, right? Right. Right. Lifelessbullshit.com and you can fall in love with her the way I have. So welcome. I love I 
fucking love the name of your website. That's so dope. <laughs> You're so funny. I love it too. I feel like, I mean, obviously, yeah, we just met, but we definitely know a lot of similar people. And I just, I love when I'm like, why didn't I know you? And then all of a sudden I know you and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's so, it's pretty clear when, I guess that's the huge advantage of our industry is people, their brand is so indicative of who they are. So you can kind of go, oh, uh, yep. They're in the soul tribe. I think we would work really well just based off of our branding. Um, So I want to hear about you have this really incredible thing coming up in a year where am I right that you are going to run from California to New York? That's the plan. Oh, my (laughs) God. From L.A. to New York next March. Okay. So how the hell did you come up with this and how are you going to do it? Like are you – Camping in between you, what? Tell me, tell me everything. (laughs) These are all very good questions. Um, So a little bit of backstory. Um, I started running about three years ago. May 1st will be my three-year soberversary, so quit drinking and started running basically, you know, on the same day, right around the same time Um, from a complete newbie background. I mean, I'd never run, I'd never played sports, I'd never done dance or yoga or anything even remotely athletic. This for me was like a really big kind of change my life moment. You know, I could run maybe a minute or two when I first started. Like I was a real, real beginner. And I I completely fell in love with running and it's become, you know, pretty much the number one thing in my life at this point. And I you know, it, it forms so much of kind of who I am and how I see the world. And, you know, I, I'm really what it's done for me more than anything is kind of teach me how to break big things down into small steps. I think that it's really easy to have kind of big, sexy dreams and goals, but the big, sexy things only happen one, you know, very unsexy step at a time mm-hmm. <laughs> in my experience. And, um, you know, this is kind of a way for me to take that message, you know, this idea of one step, the one step project forward and, you know, do this run that really is going to be one step at a time and, you know, kind of encourage other people to come forward with what their big thing is and, you know, really commit, you know, publicly and to themselves to, you know, taking that first step and, you know, kind of pulling together a group of people, you know, across the country, worldwide, you know, I'm going to do meetups, I'm going to do tons of stuff along the way to really, you know, foster that environment of, okay, here's my big thing, but I'm not going to make it happen unless I'm, you know, willing to do these, these small steps. Wow. I, oh my God. I love this so much for so many reasons. The synchronicity of what's going on in my own life and work is ridiculous because my best friend and business partner, Andrea Owen, and I uh, are right in the middle of a major project that's really similar that's called Bring Your Thing. And right now, actually, we're we're teaching everybody a a, a completely free video series on all the step-by-steps to accomplish your biggest thing, your big thing, whether it's running across the U.S., whether it's writing a book, whether it's getting, you know, funding for a nonprofit, opening a nonprofit, losing 50 pounds, you know, saving your marriage, whatever this big, big, big thing in your life is, we have crafted this complete program on how to do it. It's totally free. So if you just go to bringyourthing.com, you can sign up and you'll get access to all of these videos that we've created where we show you the how-to and it's really broken up into two pieces. One of it is the the tactile step-by-step strategy and the other piece is the internal 
belief in yourself and how you speak to yourself about your goals. But that is one of the things that we've been talking about throughout the entire building of this uh, curriculum and process is that a lot of times when we look at this big goal, this big thing that we want to accomplish, we get so overwhelmed because we think we need to make this one giant step. And that's really not how it happens. It's all these baby steps along the way. So I I can't like thank you enough. I'm going to send so many people to, uh, to your page. Uh, it's at uh, lifeless bullshit slash one hyphen step, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so check out Nicole, check out what she's got going on. Um, it's so exactly what's going on with bring your thing. And then if you want some, you know, real systemized ways to go after your goals, start to finish, go to bring your thing.com and you can get a shit ton of free training on how to do it. So yeah, uh, I love that. Don't miss out. Cause it, wouldn't you say there's a, there's the tactile element, but there's also believing you can do it. The internal, how you, your relationship to yourself about it. Oh, I mean, and it's, you know, people say all the time, like running is 90% mental, you know, and stuff like that kind of mm. gets thrown around, but it's so, it's so unbelievably true. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, one of the questions that I'm really interested in is, you know, why don't we do the things that we know that we want to do? And obviously that that's a big question, but it's, it's usually not the tactical stuff. Like the tactical stuff is really helpful, especially, you know, just yes. to kind of, to get started, to do that stuff. But so much of it is like what your belief system is, what you're identifying with, you know, all of this kind of stuff that, we want the tactical stuff because it's easier, you know, like it's, right. it's, it's much nicer for someone to be, okay, do these three things and then ta-da. And, you know, those three things, you know, were probably really helpful, but unless you, you know, are willing to kind of be honest and address some of this under stuff. And that's, you know, one of the things that I'm really aware of with the run is that any kind of limiting belief or, you know, block anything, obstacles, stuff like that internally, you know, is only going to magnify over the course of 3000 miles. You know, I actually, it's funny. I just reached out to, um, uh, a kind of very high profile, you know, super expert in his field, um, high performance psychologist, you know, that works with a lot of like Olympians and athletes and stuff. I mean, look at me dreaming big, like, Hey, I want to work with this guy. He's the best of the best, but you know, and we'll see what happens. But I, I feel like I need some mental training, you know, just in terms of being able to, mm-hmm. to get the tools and the strategies that I need in order to be able to, you know, essentially push through discomfort because that's what a lot of things come down to is, you know, being able to keep going when things are uncomfortable. And I think that that's, that's going to be a huge part of this. And it's a huge part of, you know, the people that would, that would, you know, go through, bring your thing, which I love that. Um, you know, it's, it's something that definitely comes up. Right. Right. I mean, and that's really, uh, the genesis of why we created this is we felt like the reason why people weren't going after things is because of the mind fuck, the internal battle. Like if it really was as simple as a checklist and, you know, breaking down baby steps, everybody would have fucking done it by now. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah. It's saying like you're not good enough. It's too big. It's overwhelming. You can't do it. So-and-so does it better. It's all that internal stuff. And we think somebody just needs to tell us the right way to do it. And that's really a very, very small piece of it. Most of it is dealing with, you know, the confidence in yourself. So I love that. I love that you're gearing up mentally for it, not just physically. I think Oh, I'm excited for you. That's going to be incredible. But that's also <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's also why we felt like we could give people 
a training, a totally free training on bring your thing. It doesn't matter what it is because for everybody, we don't have to be an authority on running. We don't have to be an authority on um, nonprofits or whatever because we're an authority on the mind game. We, we can tell you how to equip yourself so that you have the confidence and the passion and the belief in yourself. And a lot of that is just buckling down and doing the work, the internal work. So so anyway, mm-hmm. if you're interested in doing something monumental like Nicole and running all the way across the U.S., which is so fucking badass, I don't know what to do with it, please go to bringyourthing.com and we'll show you exactly how to accomplish something that huge. Super easy, freebie, do it. There's no reason not to. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about, you know, this is such a perfect segue to talk about our relationship to ourself. Um, we spend so much time dissecting our relationship to others and who we are with other people and our friendships and our family members and our uh, intimate partnerships. And what I think we miss sometimes is that it really starts with how you feel about who you are. And I know that you you love talking about this. And, you know, when I reached out to you, you were like, I have so much to say about this topic. So I would love to hear from you. What are some of the things that you hear from your community or from your clients where where they really neglect their relationship to self? Yeah. I mean, this is such a fantastic question because I think that unless we realize the ways in which we're neglecting our relationship to ourselves, it's, it's not going to change, you know? So I think that this, even just talking about this, you know, and hopefully kind of sparks, you know, that, that kind of seed in other people to think, oh, you know, how am I neglecting it? Because I think that obviously this whole idea of a relationship to yourself, I think ties in a lot to the whole, you know, self-love or, you know, these kind of buzzwords that on the surface, I think people roll their eyes at, you know, like you, you hear self-love, you think, oh, like I need to get a massage or I need to whatever. And not that those things are bad, but the actual relationship that you have with yourself, I think that there's a lot of, you know, pretty common ways that people neglect it. I mean, the number one that that I see both in myself, in my community, in my clients is pretending that the relationship that you have with yourself is different from any other Ooh. relationship, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that it's, it, it's, it's the same, you know, how, how do you nourish your marriage? How do you nourish your, your friendships, your colleagues, your peers, you know, these kinds of things, you know, um, you spend time together, you, you know, you're supportive, you're encouraging, you're forgiving, you know, you communicate well, all of these things that I think we would say are no brainers to what might make a good relationship with other people. These are things that we routinely don't do for ourselves. So I definitely think that that's, you know, that's one of the big ways that we neglect it. Yeah, absolutely. And I see you're right. You're right. It's this, you know, and we've all heard that that kind of old adage of would you ever speak that rudely, that acrimoniously to other people in your life the way you speak to yourself? And no, like we are far more rude and mean and just downright awful. I mean, if we think about even, you know, this uh, – the really common issues around, let's say, body image and how rude we are when we, you know, look at our thighs or our wrinkles or we're mad at our back because it's it's always hurting and we're so awful to ourselves and we think for some reason that that's okay or that that's going to be helpful in some way or I don't even exactly know the genesis of that. But um, what I do know is it doesn't work. It doesn't ever mm-hmm. help. It doesn't ever help your confidence. Uh yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, I remember hearing 
uh, a colleague of mine talking about that, talking about viewing your, and she was specifically was talking about body image. So she was saying, look at your body as though it was a friend, you know, and, but we could take the same thing. Like look at yourself as though you were a friend. Um, and I think even, you know, for many people who are, uh, parents and things like that, those are the examples you can set for your children. You know, would you ever want them to speak to themselves that way? No. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I definitely think so. I I personally find it really freeing to kind of live by the philosophy that all relationships are the same. You know, my marriage is the same as my best friendship, which is the same as, you know, and obviously, of course, there's differences in the way that you behave in the relationships. But, you know, it comes down to like, how do you want to be, you know, do you want to be a good communicator? Do you want to be kind? Do you want to be compassionate? You know, all of these things. And I think that, you know, we, we segment off these, these relationships, especially, you know, the relationship with ourself. And, you know, is if you just kind of don't do that, obviously easier said than done, but, you know, kind of taking away some of those boundaries and just thinking like, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. So this is who I'm going to be in, you know, in all of these relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I'm going to share with you something that I see a lot and tell me, tell me your thoughts on this. But I see, you know, because we do, we throw that term self-love around. In fact, my, my best friend and I also have a, you know, a side project called the self-love revolution. And, uh, it really was designed to, to radically change the relationship we have to ourselves. And I think when it, you know, we throw that term around and we hear it a lot in self-help and development and okay, what is self-love? Does that just mean, you know, spending more time with, is that masturbation? What the fuck is it, right? Right. right? But I think one of the ways that we can dissect that a little bit is looking at our own self-respect because you can really clearly gauge if you're respecting yourself or not. And I think one of the biggest, biggest ways that we hold ourselves back is our respect of our own time where we consistently say yes to shit we don't want to do. And that's a major disrespectful element of your own time. And it's cloaked in this like noble envelope. We think it's so noble to give and give and give to everybody else. And what if I let them down and blah, 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 blah. All the meanwhile, we don't get to spend our time doing the things that are fulfilling for us, that bring us joy, that bring us happiness um, because we're so caught up in obligation. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree. And I I feel like, um, you know, another facet of that too, in terms of respecting, you know, our own time is how infrequently we, you know, break commitments to other people, but how frequently we break commitments that we make to ourselves. And I agree with you. I think a lot of that comes down to respect. And, you know, another way that I think that we neglect our relationship to ourselves is by operating under a pattern of behavior that I call the how much can I get away with method, you know, and that's kind of characterized by statements such as, you know, how many times per week do I need to work out so that I don't gain weight? You know, at what point will I have done enough work today so that I can, you know, justify binge watching shows on Netflix? How many of these cookies can I eat without feeling sick? And it comes from this place of like, what's the bare minimum that I have to do in order for it to be, you know, okay or enough or whatever. And it's, the, you know, really the complete opposite 
from, you know, the method or the perspective of what would make me feel my best, you know, where you're not just focused on what you can get away with, but what truly makes you feel good. And I feel like for me personally, switching methods, you know, has really transformed my relationship with myself because then you wind up being aligned with your true best interests instead of constantly trying, you know, to pull one over on yourself or trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to get out of these things. You know, and it's, it's just comes from a much different and more respectful place. You're right. You're totally, it's like a, it's a major low ball. Like I'm just going to low ball myself. But, but I think one of the biggest reasons why we don't have time for the working out, we don't have time to delve into the book we love. We don't have time to study our yoga practice or whatever. is because we say yes to all this other shit we don't want to do. It's like, well, yeah. I, I, well, I have to volunteer for my kid's school because I've done it every other year. Or I have to be a part of, you know, I have to run the you know my small group at my church because because I, no one else will do it well guess what you don't have to that's your choice you know mm -hmm. and there's also a way to conduct yourself with grace like you don't have to be a dick about it and be like I'm not gonna do that fuck off you know you can actually say <laughs> oh I'm so flattered thank you so much but I actually am gonna need to decline you know like you could be nice we yeah we think somehow like letting somebody down means that we're an asshole. It's not. It just means you chose you over other people. And that's a habit. That's just conditioning. It's not. Definitely. You know, I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's one of those things that's simple but not easy, you know. And I it's it's. I mean, the bottom line is that it comes down to priorities. You know, you are 100% the CEO of how you spend your time and energy, the end. You know, and people will come back at me and say, well, no, because I have kids or I – like everything that you do in your life is a choice. Mm -hmm. And obviously certain choices are easier to make than others, but it's – it's, it's a choice. You know, what is your number one priority? If you say you want X thing, what are you willing to do to get that? And then either change things so that that's what's happening or shut up and let it go, you know? And that's, I mean, obviously kind of a blunt approach, but I exactly what you said. If you, you know, you, you want to practice yoga, you want to do any of these things. Okay. Well, there's a finite amount of time and energy. So something has to go. And personally, I respect, I'd much rather someone you know, decline, you know, if, if I invite them to do something, like I would rather them give a respectful, kind and flat out no than to cancel at the last minute, to flake, to show up yes. but not fully be present, to not do a good job. To, I mean, just say no. It's totally cool. I respect that, you know. And I think it's, it's, it's again, it's about priorities and this is absolutely a learned behavior. It's a habit, like you said. And really, it's, uh, there's a basis of fear of what it means if you decline. And that's where a lot of this, you know, the personal development work and confidence in who you are. Like we think, if I say no, then I must be awful. They are going to think that I'm an awful person or that that I'm rude or mean. Or and so we don't decline based off of fear of what's going to happen. What if you declined based off of happiness and fulfillment? Like I'm choosing happiness for me and however you receive me is up to you that's your choice but I'm going to conduct myself with grace I'm going to conduct myself with kindness and take a stand for myself you know so mm -hmm. but yeah again it's you're right it's learned and it's habitual it's about doing it over and over and over again I certainly I don't know about you but I certainly was not always this vigilant and valiant about my time and energy I really often would acquiesce and do what other people wanted 
Oh, definitely. I mean, and I, I still sometimes do that. I think we all do. I don't think it's like you cross a threshold and like, okay, you know, every, everything's all better. You know, it's it's kind of a constant, it's a practice. And that's kind of what habits and practices are. They're things that have to happen. And still, you know, sometimes I'll say yes to something and it's like, I, the, the, the feeling comes much sooner when I'm like, ooh, I really shouldn't have, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't have committed to that. Or, you know, you start to realize this stuff, the more in touch with yourself you are. But I, I agree with you. I think a lot of it's fear-based. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at, I mean, at the end of the day, the quote that I kind of always come back to is, you know, other people's opinions of me are none of my business. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's, like you said, it's, it's, it's conducting yourself with grace and compassion and, you know, being respectful of other people's, other people's time as well. You know, if you can't fully show up or if that really takes, if, if saying yes to something takes away from kind of your necessary self-care, then that's not the best thing for you. It's also not the best thing for them. And, right. you know, kind of putting it, putting it in that, in that framework, I think is helpful. Absolutely. And, I think what we don't realize when we're doing something valiant in our own mind, like we think, oh, I'm saying yes, I'm being there, for, I'm not letting this person down. What I want everybody out there to think about is at what cost? Because I do think there's times when we give to others and it genuinely fulfills us. But I do think there's a place where we cross that line where we can't say no, where we f- completely lose our personal power. And that's a huge cost to our life. So look at, like, if you are telling me right now, oh, but Amy, I can't. But Nicole, I can't. I can't. I want you to switch that with won't. Because I always say can't means not humanly possible. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't grow a third arm out of my chest. Yes, you're right. You cannot do that. Won't is a very, very different situation. So if you're telling me I can't say no, that's bullshit. It's actually I won't. It's a choice like we were talking about. So another huge element, tell me what you think about this too, where people really neglect uh, their relationship to self is just how they choose to speak to themselves, this, this, their internal conversation, their narrative. Oh, I mean, that's everything. You know, our, our stories are, you know, are everything. I feel like um, you, you know, you create your reality, you know, with, with the words that you choose. And I think you just, you know, made a really good example of that with, with can't versus won't, you know, and for me, the, you know, the powerful thing is, you know, just start saying, I'm choosing not make, not to make that a priority because that's the truth of any situation, you know? And I think that that's, that's the heart of a a lot of this stuff. You know, what you tell yourself, that's what's real, (laughs) you know, not just with this, but with anything that, oh my gosh, you nailed it. And that's that's one of the things that I think is so beautiful about about the coaching modality and really the influx of personal development that's happening in our culture. I'm, I'm really quite grateful for it because we don't learn this. Nobody teaches you, you know, after math class in fourth grade to how to dissect your inner narrative. Nobody says like, okay, go ahead and put your math books away. Now we're going to talk about disempowering beliefs. Like we, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. never do yeah. that. So, so exactly what you said, every single thing, every phrase, every belief, everything that runs through your mind, we accept as truth. We just adopt it as truth because we don't dissect it. We don't look at like, wait a minute, where does that truth come from? Did I just fabricate that and make that up? Oftentimes, Yes. Sometimes it's based off of historical things or environmental things from our childhood. We can adopt certain truths in our mind from any number of any number of places. All of that's really irrelevant. It comes down to whatever's being spoken in your mind, whether it's a belief or self-talk statement, 
Does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel empowered? Does it make you feel confident? And ultimately, what we all want is, does it make you happy? Like when you're looking in the mirror, talking about, and your mind's going, God, what a fucking fat ass. Look at that cottage cheese all over. Do you feel good? Does that feel awesome? No. Mm-hmm. No. You know, I, the other thing I think too is, you know, something that I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so over this idea of like, well, that's just how I am. Like that is bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that so much because e- pretty much everything is changeable. Yes. You can't grow the therm- third arm out of the middle of your chest, but <laughs> are you like really laying awake at night? Like so agonized about that? Probably not. You know, the things that you really can't do, probably it's fine. Cause you just accept that you can't do them, but all this other stuff, you know, it's, we, we put up all these walls and all these blocks and we tell ourselves, you know, all these things are impossible and, you know, or, or, you know, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, you know, that's just, that's just who I am. Or I, you know, I'm a control freak. I'm these types of things. Like everything is changeable. And I think kind of the fundamental, like first step to change is believing that change is actually possible, you know? And I think that a lot of what you're saying about, um, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves and like the words, like this kind of stuff, it requires like being quiet enough to, pay attention, you know, let yourself like be bored, have stillness. Like we're in this environment of constant input, you know, like I, you can't like wait in line at Starbucks without scrolling through your phone. Like remember being bored? Like that was awesome. There's a reason, there's a reason that we have our best ideas. Like when we're in the shower, when we're taking a walk, you know, it's, it's disconnecting from that input for a second. And I I think this kind of goes back to one of the super common ways that, you know, people neglect their relationship to themselves is by, you know, giving their power away to obsessive input and to, to other people. You know, a really good example, for, you know, from my life is I realized, I just realized this, um, you know, a couple weeks ago that I've spent the last few months really giving away kind of my power in my business. Mm-hmm. I've been taking some kind of higher level business courses and reading a lot of books and all that stuff's great, like learning and, and you know, it's, it's crucial. But if you start to default all of your decisions to, you know, what other people are doing or what you think you should be doing, you, you're not giving yourself the chance to like really look inward and even explore what your true needs and desires are, you know, what you believe. And I feel like that process of kind of being bored, being quiet, being still, tuning into yourself, that's how you even start to see what your internal scripts are. Oh my goodness. Every, it's so funny, Nicole, because <laughs> there's so much synchronicity between what you're saying and even like the note. I love when this happens, when all the notes that I wrote down for what I wanted to speak about is like everything that you're saying. And... <laughs> And it's really fun. I, I do want to make mention. Um, well, let me not step over that. I think that's really, really important because we are in we're in uh, tech and media overwhelm inundation. Where and I, and I found this for myself as well. Where it's hard. It's hard for me to even sit still um, and really drink things in. And it, I have to create that as a practice because I do reach for my phone. And I have to go, okay, let's just, you know, even making myself eat a meal without looking at my phone at the same time or playing Candy Crush or watching, you know, Boardwalk Empire or watch, you know, watching something at the same time. Like, can I just be present and enjoy what taste is with my food? Like, we don't even have quiet and silence. And so I love that. I absolutely love that. It's So that might even be your first step is, where are my tranquility moments with myself? Just my 
quiet time. And some people that might be your spiritual walk, whether that's a, a, an organized faith. And for many of us, I think who who are attracted to self help, a lot of times it'll come in the form of something a little more hippie-ish, which I prefer, you know, universe or, you know, meditation or, uh, you know, journaling or even just fucking laying down and being quiet, you know, just something to tune into you. What, what's going on with you? What's going on with your body? Um, but I did want to make a, a comment about the whole concept around that's just how I am because I have always said the same thing, Nicole. I've, <laughs> I've always said – you can say that's just how I am when it's an intrinsic quality of yours that you really do love to nurture about yourself. For instance, you if you are loud and boisterous and gregarious and outspoken, that's something it, – it's a positive quality. You can say that's just how I am. But if it's a uh, – if it is a shortcoming, if it's a character flaw that actually doesn't bring you happiness like – I'm just a control freak. I'm just a perfectionist. Uh, you know, I just don't trust other people. You know, that's just how I am. Or I'm just jealous. I hear that a lot in relationships. I'm just jealous. You just know, you know how I am. No, I'm sorry. That's a fucking character flaw. You don't get to say that's just how I am. You have to work on that. Now that you've acknowledged it, now you need to be better. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if it's, mm-hmm. but if it's something like, oh my God, I love ice cream. You know, that's just kind of how you're wired. That's fine. But when it's something that's actually inhibiting your happiness, like perfectionism, no. Now you got to work on it. It's, you know, it's it's funny. I, I feel like this is a topic that I think about so much, but I don't feel like people are really talking about, or maybe I'm just I'm not listening to people talking about it, but I would even, and maybe this is just me taking it one step farther, I don't even know that anything is just how we are unless, I mean, and I'm not talking about like physical character. I mean, your height is your height. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's like, I, I am five, six. That is just how tall I am. But other than those, but I feel like that falls under the same category of not being able to grow the arm out of the chest. Like for me, even saying, you know, like, you know, I, I just love ice cream. That's how I am for, for me personally, I, in the past would have thought that that was true. In the last three years I have, I mean, like I said, I quit drinking, I started running from nowhere. I, you know, built, I stopped eating sugar. I, you know, switched to a plant-based diet. Like I've made a lot, you know, one step at a time, but a lot of huge changes that I would have told you point blank, no question, were impossible. I, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thought at some point of me not eating sugar, I mean, I, I, I would have, I can't even come up with the words to tell you how, how impossible that sounded and how hard I would have laughed in your face. You know, I, I just, I love chocolate. That's who I am that whatever. And, but those are, that's a choice. I'm choosing to self-identify with that. And the more I say that, the more that becomes true. And then the harder that change is. So I totally agree with you. And like, if it's something that you don't want to change, own it. But you know, it's, it's understanding like where the true intention behind that statement is coming from. Cause there's a difference between like stepping into your power and owning who you are than using these kind of self-identification statements as justifications for not having to make a change that you actually do want to make. You're right. You're absolutely right. And that I think is uh, the really the thing that I'd let, want to underline is whatever that thing that you're claiming, that's just how I am. Is it something that is bringing you fulfillment or not? Because I'm guessing that there was enough 
shit hitting the fan from eating too much sugar or eating the way you were eating or uh, drinking the way you were drinking where you couldn't just say, I just love alcohol anymore because that you knew intuitively that was a fucking lie and it was robbing you of something enough to want to make a change. So I think that's the biggest thing because I do see people who are, you know, for, for myself, I'll use the example. I am, I'm not spontaneous. I don't enjoy, I really don't enjoy anything about it. And I agree with you that I could change it, um, but that's way too, like, I don't want that at all. There's nothing about me that wants that. I would so much rather prefer stability and organization and, you know, mapping things out. Same thing with being, like, loud and outspoken. And the reason why I bring this all up is I do think there's sometimes when we feel like we need to apologize for who we are based off of our affinities or our likes or things like that. Like I used to feel like I had to apologize for not being spontaneous. Like that's so unsexy and sorry I'm like that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm going to own it. I prefer structure. It makes me so happy. But again, the underlying factor is what contributes to your fulfillment and happiness and what doesn't. That's everybody's call. That's what you need to figure out because it can totally Mm be – that that big bullshit excuse of so I'm not going to change when I know intuitively that I actually need to or you have to deal with me being this way which is also not necessarily fair so I agree with you I I mean and it's funny that you say that about the spontaneity thing because that's a recent realization that I've had that I'm like listen I am just not this like go with the flow like Mm. gypsy person I'm just Mm. not I I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I've tried to be, I've pretended to be, I've glorified it, I've whatever, but I'm, I, I don't like spontaneous things. Even if the thing is something that I would want to do, like don't invite me for dinner an hour before, I don't want to go. That gives me so much anxiety. And me too. Of course, of course any, anything is changeable, but I, the, the, you hit the heart of the thing. It's, it's about, does that bring you fulfillment? You know, like trying to be more spontaneous and I've tried, I've done some of the work that doesn't bring me fulfillment. What brings me fulfillment is leaning into the things that do feel more natural to me and supporting myself. So, I mean, I think this, you know, this kind of goes into the, the not, I don't want to say like how to, but there's definitely things that we can do to foster a really great relationship, you know, with ourselves. And I think a lot of the stuff we're starting to talk about falls into that category. Absolutely. So yeah. So what do you, what do you got? What are some things like if they're going like, yep, that's me. I completely neglect myself. What can I do? Um, Let's see. I mean, I feel like on, you know, the, the kind of big picture level, I feel like it's it's a three-step process, you know, and I feel like the the first step is, you know, and we're talking about now, you know, creating this this badass relationship with yourself, you know, and I I, I think that once you've acknowledged, you know, some of some of these underlying things and, you know, if you're going to treat this relationship like you would other relationships, look at what makes other relationships strong. So I think step one is to challenge yourself. I feel like the best relationships are the ones that challenge us to be our best. And, you know, these are the relationships that kind of push us to grow in a gentle but firm way. And I think that in order to create a fulfilling relationship with yourself, you you, you need to challenge yourself. I mean, and that comes from doing some of this kind of like inner work, like like we're talking about, mm-hmm. challenging yourself to, you know, change some of these identities, to acknowledge that they're even there. Um, but I also think that a really, you know, kind of lovely and powerful way to build a better relationship with yourself is is to challenge yourself with with external activities. You know, learn something new, deepen your skills, pursue something that is of interest to you. Because if if you know, 
we're not really, if we're spending all of our time kind of, you know, feasting on things on the internet and, you know, doing that kind of stuff, it, we lose the, the, you know, kind of the, the chance to build like a bigger body of work, like as a mm-hmm. human, you know, like for me running for, I mean, obviously I feel like so many of my examples are going to go back to running, but that's okay. at the, be- at the beginning, I, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I, you know, I could barely run for a couple minutes. My, you know, I did not have the skills. I didn't whatever. And so I said to myself, okay, all I'm going to focus on is, is skill building, is getting better at this. Because inherently, we like things that we're good at. And the better that I got, you know, focusing on the form, focusing on fundamentals, you know, that kind of stuff, not worrying that other people were better or faster or any of that stuff, just focusing on skills, challenging myself, pushing myself, and, you know, kind of going one step at a time, that did so much for my confidence. I mean, I think that skill building, mastery, getting expertise in things, there's a lot of power that then makes you feel really great about yourself because it's like, look at this, look at this thing, you know, like I wrote this book, I did this thing, like I really kind of dove into it. So I think that, you know, valuing the process of challenging yourself and pushing yourself is a really great way to to strengthen that relationship. Oh, that's great. Cool. So, okay. So that's step one. What's step two? Step two, or, you know, I think it's, it's to support yourself. You know, think of what you appreciate most about your loved ones. You might, my guess is that the way that they support you is probably very high on that list, but support doesn't just have to be an external thing. I actually think that when we rely totally on other people to support us, it becomes a detrimental thing. You know, you can and should build the habit of, of being supportive of yourself. That means this, I mean, this goes back to what we were just talking about, about the spontaneity thing. It means setting yourself up for success, asking yourself honestly what you need to thrive, not what your sister needs, not what this person on the internet says that productive people should need, none of that bullshit. Right. Just like what you actually need, like, you know, and and being honest about that and not trying to be the quote unquote cool girl who like doesn't have any needs. You know, like for me, I feel my best when I'm eating like six or seven times a day, really regularly. There's certain foods that make me feel better. Um, you know, having a regular sleep schedule, you know, cutting out the time to, to train, having a silent work environment, you know, and, and just these types of things, like being honest with yourself about what you need and setting yourself up for, you know, for success. I think that that's a really empowering way to, to support yourself. And, you know, a question that I always personally use as an anchor for this, both with myself and with my clients is, you know, do your habits support your goals? You know, is how you're spending your time getting you where you want to be? Stop sabotaging yourself, you know, support yourself instead. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so true. My goodness. Yes. Oh, I love this. I totally wrote down because I want to make sure that I send this out to everybody. Um, your three-step process to creating a badass relationship with yourself. I love it. Okay, so we've got challenge yourself, support yourself. What's the third? Speak kindly to yourself and about yourself. Obviously, yes. you know, we, we touched on this a little bit, but I mean, there's there's no denying it. Human beings are natural-born storytellers. And, you know, by far, no matter what, the most important story is the one that we tell about ourselves to ourselves, you know, period. And I, I know that it might sound silly, but I mean, again, your thoughts and your words create your entire reality. If you keep telling yourself that you're lazy or that you're not good enough or that you're too busy to do what you want to do or, you, you know, any any of this stuff, you know, I mean, guess what? That's that, and that becomes true. If you say something enough times, then, you know, those thoughts and those words become behaviors, become actions, and then that becomes your life. And, yeah, you know, reality. for me, 
Yeah, exactly. In my day-to-day life, I think of it this way. Everything that starts, everything I say that starts with the words I am, that's what creates my reality. You know, the same way that, you know, spilling a bucket of paint all over the floor will create a mess. It just will. There's no way around that. Using the phrase I am will slowly but surely create your reality. If your I am statements are negative, then you'll feel like shit. And if they're positive, you'll feel good. It it actually is that simple. Again, simple doesn't mean easy. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you change the way that you talk about yourself, it literally, it it will change everything. Not just how you talk about yourself internally, but you know, how you talk about yourself to others. You know, it's, it's become kind of like cute to be self-deprecating and to be snarky. And I'm, Mm. I'm over that. Like I cannot be with that. Just stop it. Stop fishing for compliments. Stop fishing for external validation. You know, other, again, other people's opinions of you, none of your business, you know, it's stop saying anything about yourself that you don't want to be true, you know? And I think that that's, Oh, that's good. A, a, a very, you know, a powerful rule. And I mean, like anything else, you know, kind of a warning that I would attach to this, you know, uh, is, you know, don't use these tools as an avenue for self-criticism. I've, you know, personally fallen into the trap so many times where, you know, you're beating yourself up about something and then you realize that you're doing it. So you start beating yourself up even more for having beaten yourself <laughs> up in the first place. It's this horrible cycle, yes, yes. you know, and So I feel like with this, especially with the self-talk, if you notice yourself, you know, doing, thinking or saying something that isn't in line with who you want to be and with the relationship that you want to have with yourself, it's enough to just recognize what you're doing. Okay. Like I I said that thing that doesn't really serve me. I'm going to consciously decide to do something differently with my very next thought, my next word, my next action. You know, it doesn't have to be this like, you know, self-flagellation thing you know you can just choose differently like oh I've noticed this okay I'm, I'm gonna actually choose to redirect my thoughts because you do have that power we we absolutely do and and we again I think because everything just runs through our minds we just accept everything as truth and so the exciting news about that is you can catch it and create a new truth exactly like what you were saying but I love that stop saying anything about yourself that you don't want to be true that's it's beautiful. And it's funny because under my tips, I wrote one of mine is speak kindly to yourself, treat yourself like a friend. Self-care is the new black. But I <laughs> I really think yeah. the whole speak kindly to yourself that we think also oftentimes that it needs to be this crazy affirmation like you you are so intelligent. Like let's say you've been going, God, I'm not smart enough to do that. We think, okay, well now in order to speak kindly to myself, I need to say, you are so brilliant. You are so intelligent. Or if you're always saying, God, you're so ugly. You're so, ugh, that now all of a sudden we have to say, you're so gorgeous. You're so beautiful. It, that's really not the case, okay? So all you have to do is two things. You need to say something that makes you feel better than what you have been saying. And the second piece is you have to say something you can actually buy into. So one thing that I always advocate is using something that I call progressive language. So instead of saying, like to use your wording, I am, you know, uh, I am so ugly. What if you were to say something like, I am actively redefining what beauty looks like. Something that you're saying kind of like, I'm on my way. I might not look in the mirror and say, I'm gorgeous yet, but I'm committed. I am committed to changing my relationship to myself. I am open to to seeing beauty in the mirror. You know, that kind of stuff where you're like, I'm on my way. Because that feels way more uh, believable than just all of a sudden 
you know, doing a complete 180 and trying to believe that you're gorgeous if you've been hating the way you look for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I love that you brought this up because I feel like this is where the kind of like self-love movement, like why people roll their eyes because it's this idea of these like these huge affirmations. And again, that those might work for someone, you know, no tool is kind of, I think, worth bagging on. But I think I that it's it's too big of a jump for a lot of people when we're talking about like real people, real issues in their real life, you know. I'm, I am beautiful. I love myself. Like, first of all, those are great beliefs. Like I'm not saying don't believe that, but there's a ring of inauthenticity. I think when, especially when it's something that you're just trying to start to change. And for me, something that I've found powerful is even just, you know, statements like, like I'm willing to let go of this past behavior you know, yeah. or, or I'm willing to, and the, this concept of letting go of surrendering, like I'm willing to not attach myself to thoughts like, you know, I, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm not good enough. I'm fat. I'm the, all these things we tell ourselves and just acknowledging that it's a process, I think really helps deflect perfectionism because we think, okay, well, I, I said these affirmations for a week and I still don't feel better. So, you know, okay, this doesn't work. Bye-bye the end, you know? And that's, right. it's like acknowledging that it's a process. It's a journey. It's not like we reach this destination where it's like self-love wonderland. Like everything's amazing forever. Like that no. never happens, no. you know? And I think being realistic about it, even in the approach, that's empowering. That's how real people make real changes. Uh, yes, absolutely. And you can always, if you're trying to retrain this negative self-talk, like you just, it's it's a marathon all the time. Instead of feeling like you need to replace it, you can simply just tell yourself, I am not focusing on that anymore. Or, oh, I've decided that I'm not speaking to my thighs like that. Oh, I've decided that I'm not speaking about my intelligence like that. Like you can just stop. Because a lot of times what happens is we – it's a vortex. It's a rabbit hole. Like you start looking and you look at the fine lines around your eyes and then you move to to your boobs are so small. And then, oh my God, my ass is so fat. And you keep going. So if you can at least just arrest that process and say like, oh, oh, there I'm doing it. I am committed to not doing that any longer. Just stopping that. And yeah. then – just step away from it. You know, it's like if you, if you had someone who came over and was sitting in your living room and was like being horrible to you and like shouting obscenities and being an asshole, like you would kick that person out of your living room. If someone's doing that stuff online, then you would just unfollow that. Like we can right. choose to separate ourselves. Like not everything. This is, I think, one of the kind of pitfalls of being a self-development junkie, which I definitely am. And I think a lot of people are, you know, it's, you don't have to fix everything. Like it's okay to just leave the room, so to speak. You know, like you said, like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not gonna with this anymore. Okay. Next. Like not every, you don't have to like really pick up. Well, what, where does this come from? Why do I, and sometimes that process is very beneficial. You do need to get to the roots of things, but also sometimes you don't like, sometimes it's, it is enough to just be like, stop nope, I'm not entertaining these thoughts anymore. Like I've chosen something different. Yep, absolutely. And I always advocate getting up and moving, you know, doing something with your body. Like if you're, if you've been sitting, staring at the internet or staring at Facebook and it's all about your ex and you're going into this place about, you know, how awful you were, how awful he or she was to you and like, oh, I'm never going to find love again and blah, blah, blah. Get up from the desk. Go, like just at least do jumping jacks. There's so much power in just moving your physical body out of that uh, emotional vortex you've been sitting in. Just move, stand up, and go, oh, yeah, I am focusing on what I do want instead of what I don't want. I mean, it could be that simple. So mm-hmm. simple. And it's, it's also, I think, perfectionism plays, you know, a, a big piece in this subconsciously where, like, you know, it's – 
for me, I call it the 12 cookie syndrome. Like, oh, well, I've had one cookie, so I might as well have 12. Or like, I, you know, I'm, I'm off track and I went down the internet rabbit hole on this, so I might as well do this for another couple hours and I'll start over again tomorrow. And I think that that comes into play with the way we talk about ourselves, with our relationships with ourselves, you know, with any habit or behavior that we're trying to change. It's like, no, exactly what you said. Like, you can just stand up and turn around and okay, it's a new moment. Like it's a new moment. Every moment you can, you know, start like recreating. It's not like, oh, well, I quote unquote messed up, whatever that means. I have to wait till some arbitrary till Monday, till New Year's Day, till the first of the month, whatever these like arbitrary time periods in order to like start over doing it quote unquote correctly. You know, like every moment is a chance to be like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to do this differently. Like I'm going to, you know, it's like a constant process. Exactly. And and the only thing that like the, when we look at like the big meta view, like what we re- we just want to feel better. So you it, it just needs to whatever you say, just make it be something that feels better than what you have been saying. It's just switching up the charge a little bit. Like it might have been such a negative charge that you've been carrying. What would it be like if it was just neutral? You know, if you could just say, oh, oh, yeah, I'm not thinking about that anymore. Oh, yeah, I'm not focusing on that. Let me focus on something else. You know, it doesn't have to be, like you said, monumental and huge and life-changing. It's all these baby steps. It's these little dialogue changes in our mind. It's so simple, yes. Challenging, also yes. You know, it mm-hmm. de- but, but here's the thing that's beautiful is if you've already conditioned a way of being, if you've already created a reality in which you speak negatively to yourself, the great news is you can change it. You've already created what is. So you can create something different. It's like riding a bike. You just have to keep getting back on and keep conditioning yourself in that manner until it becomes normal. Like when we first started to ride a bike, it, I remember this vividly. It was so challenging and I felt like I could never get back. And then obviously you get to a point where it's effortless. You don't even have to think about it. And I feel like for many of us now, for myself and my colleagues, now it's not that we don't ever have negative self-talk it's that we catch it and we've habituated a new way of thinking and addressing it that has become habit and so we Mm -hmm. operate differently and so the reason I'm so emphatic about that is because I wasn't always that way so for everybody out there it's possible it's possible it's just a reconditioning that's it and you have to be committed to that if you don't keep getting back on the bike you're not going to change yeah I mean, definitely. I also think that, no, I mean, I I agree with you completely. And, you know, the one thing that I'll add is that it's, you know, yes, maybe it took you, you know, 20, 30, 40, whatever, however many years, you know, uh, have gone into building a current kind of identity system or, you know, behaviors, patterns, all these things that, you know, make us who we currently are in this moment. And, you know, you think, oh my God, you know, that's going to take me so long to undo all those things or redo any of this kind of stuff. But, chances are you didn't build that consciously. And it's a lot easier to do something once mm. you've, once you know something, you can't unknow it. You know, like once you kind of have these clarity moments and, you know, you think, okay, I'm going to start doing this with intention, you know, then it, it actually is a lot simpler because you're doing it on purpose. You are seeking out help. You are, you know, practicing these tools, these things that, you know, something can become your new normal a lot more quickly than it became the old normal because the, it's for, yes. in my experience, the old normal was me being really passionate and just letting things happen to me like oh well I guess this is what's you know whatever you know and it's like you said it's 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 the habitual practice of it and 
you know, redefining what success means. Like with a lot of this stuff, again, like of course it's not that I never feel fear or perfectionism or jealousy or everything. I think every person goes through at some point. It's not like there's this like glorious, you know, point of fearlessness where we reach where none of this stuff is an issue. It's just being able to have kind of coping mechanisms and strategies and tools to work through that. And those just get stronger over time. Like for me with any of this stuff, my goal isn't to not ever feel this way. Cause then if it is, then you live in fear of waiting for the other shoe to drop or, you know, you think you should never be stressed or it's like a, you're constantly trying to not have negative emotions. For me, my kind of, kind of guiding goal is shortening the time between feeling like that and feeling better. You know, so when again, it's, yes. I don't have to wait to start over tomorrow. Like, you know, if I eat something that didn't make me feel my best, like I can change, make, make a different decision the next time that I put something in my mouth, as opposed to it has to be tomorrow. Like our, that's a completely made up concept. We made up time. Like our bodies don't understand tomorrow. You know, our, it's, it's like You're right. this type of stuff. It's like, we can shorten the time span between like falling down the comparison rabbit hole or talking to ourselves like shit or any of this type of stuff to, and like you said, it's, it's a practice, but I think that it's, it's definitely possible. And it's, it's just being committed to the process. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh, such good stuff. I love, I love when I have such parallels to what my guesties bring is so great. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. And I would love for you to just share with everybody again um, where they can find you. And then any just, any last thoughts, like kind of if you hear nothing, hear this type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people can, can find me lifelessbullshit.com. Um, and you know, if, if you want to connect Twitter's the best way I'm at Nicole less BS, um, you know, and I, I love hearing what other people are obsessed with, you know, kind of what their number one thing is, whether it's a project they want to bring to life, whether it's a habit that they want to change. I feel like the more of us that kind of own up to that and, you know, speak that out loud, there's a lot of power in that. So definitely Mm -hmm. come introduce yourself, you know, let me know what your number one thing is. Let me know if there's a way that I can help. You know, I think that kind of developing more of a culture around this type of stuff is, you know, really, really important. And I think that that's I guess I would say that's, you know, that's my final thought. Anything that, you know, that I said or that, that Amy said, I mean, we're not special. Like none of us, this is how everyone feels, you know, like yeah. it's, we think that like, we're these like delicate, like super unique flowers that I'm the only one that's been in this much pain or I'm the only one that, you know, criticizes myself. I mean, no, you're not. We mm-hmm. all, and that's a really empowering thing, you know? So being able to like recognize that and say, you know what, this is something I want to explore, something I want to change. Let's talk about that, you know? And you're, you're definitely not alone. Whatever you're going through, you're not alone. <laughs> and I think that that comes up down to a lot of the stuff with the relationship with yourself. You know, it, it can be better. If it's not great right now, it can be better. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, so true. So great. And uh, yeah, I just found you on Twitter so I can make sure that I um, stay in, in contact with you. And, and please, everybody, go cruise by her site and check out her awesome uh, One Step. What's it, What's the hashtag for it? One Step? Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, just hashtag one step. Okay. Hashtag one step. Um, I thought it was one step, something else, but okay. Perfect. 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 And, um, again, if you've got something like one of your big things, your big goals, your big desires, please cruise by bringyourthing.com and get your free training. Uh, seriously, nothing to lose. So please do that. Thank you so much for listening. Please spread the word. If you dig the pod, we, we so love hearing from our audience 
And uh, Nicole, thank you again just so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This was fantastic. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. So here is to loving and living your most badass life. Nicole and Amy signing out.